Good morning, good morning, and Slamat Hari Merdeka, everyone. Well, it was yesterday, but today we can still say, come on, guys, why don't you just, guys, just wish each other Slamat Hari Merdeka. Slamat Hari Merdeka. I'm Pastor Fergus, one of the pastors here in this church. And you know what? Maybe it's the 40 days, or, or, or maybe it's all the praying uh, over the land. But I really love this country. How many of you guys, you really love this country? Amen? Amen? I really love Malaysia. I also really love the words to this Merdeka song. Tanggal 31, bulan 8, 57, hari yang mulia, hari bahagia, sambut dengan jiwa yang merdeka. That's all of us, by the way. Jiwa Yang Merdeka. Somebody give praise to God for the freedom we have in Christ. Amen. Amen. God is so good over our land. Oh gosh. We are in Matthew chapter 15 today. We are in Matthew 15 today. And I'm just going to have to plunge right into it because there's so much ground to cover and, and I won't have enough time if I, if I waffle on, right? Are we okay with that? I know I say that every round, every time I'm here, I say I have to plunge right into it. We've got to plunge right into it. Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Okay, so if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me. Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. I'm going to be reading it from my Bible. You can follow it on your Bible. There won't be the text on the screen because we really want you to bring your Bible to church and to look at it, right? Now, if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. You can close your eyes and listen to the word that is being read because faith comes by. That's right. Amen. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him and, say, and said, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Wow. What a text. What a strange text. What a, what a strange part of the Bible. A very unusual encounter for someone to have with Jesus. I've entitled today's sermon, Push Past. Everybody say, Push Past. Say to the person next to you, Push Past. Say to yourself, I got to push past something today. All right, now, now if, you, if you look at this text, I realized after a while of preparing that, 
you can pretty much preach two entirely different sermons from this text. So, so I'll tell you what I won't be preaching. There is this thing going on here about the, about the tension between, uh, between the Jews and the Gentiles, about the primacy of, of Jesus' ministry first to the Jews, then to the Gentiles, and, and there's this racial dynamic going on. I'm not going to be preaching from that angle today because... We'll be here until free, right? Uh, but, but I will be preaching on persistence in prayer. When you, look at, when you look at the example of what this Canaanite woman has just gone through, it is a picture to us of persistent prayer. And we're in the 40 days and we want to be persistent in prayer. But the first thing I want to show you before we get into the points and all that, I really want to show you one thing about these two cities, Tyre and Sidon. And the text says this, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Where is this Tyre and Sidon? Well, Tyre and Sidon are kind of northwest by the coast, but these are Canaanite cities. These are not Jewish cities. The people who lived there did not grow up and do not naturally have the traditions and the teachings of the God of the Old Testament. But, but if you dig a little bit backwards in your Bible, so we were on Matthew 15, if you flip backwards and backwards some more and backwards all the way to Joshua chapter 19, you will see somewhere in there. Now, you can go home and check me out, right? Math, Joshua chapter 19 says that the city of Sidon and the entire, that whole region around it was part of the allocation given to the Jewish tribe of Asher. So, it was the stewardship, it was the responsibility of the tribe of Asher to push past. Someone say push past. It was the responsibility of Asher to push past whatever barriers that were there and then to go to the ends of their allotment. Sounds like Matthew 28, right? To go to the ends of their allotment and subdue it. Sounds like Genesis 2, right? And that was what they were supposed to do. And if they had done it, Matthew 15 would sound a lot different. But if you, from Joshua 19, now flip forward a few pages and you will land on Judges chapter 1. And there is this horrific passage in Judges chapter 1. It's what I consider to be the saddest chapter of the Bible. And you have, I think it was seven of the tribes of Israel and it outlines one by one by one this tribe did not drive out so-and-so. This tribe did not drive out so-and-so. ABC did not drive out XYZ. And then you get to this. The tribe of Asher did not drive out the Sidonians and decided to live with them. So they lived side by side. And because of that, Matthew chapter 15 is what it is today. So before we even get any further in today's text, I want us to think about this one thing. Your success or failure to push past 
whatever barriers that stand between you and God's call over you is not going to just reap consequences for your life. It reaps a consequence for the generations that follow. We are not here to play church, friends. We are here because God has a serious generational destiny over our generation for our children and their children. Because of that, when God gives us uh, an anointing, when God gives us an assignment through which we carry out that anointing, you have to push past. You have to push past, right? And so it goes on. A woman came, she was crying, and what did she cry? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, am I the only one who looks at this and thinks it's very strange for a Canaanite woman to cry out, son of David? It is very strange. It should be very strange. This should make you sit up and go like, what? where did she learn that from? Because she's a Canaanite, we've established. This is not, this is not her talk. This is not the way her people speak. So I started thinking about it. Why would a Canaanite woman call Jesus son of David? Now, one possibility is that everybody call, so I call law. People say son of David, so I also call son of David law, you know. Um, maybe, right? Maybe. We don't know. The text doesn't say. But maybe she, maybe she called him son of David because of what I spoke about earlier. There is this tension between her Gentile identity and, and the Jewish ministry that Jesus has at this juncture. And, and maybe she's calling him son of David to position herself with a Jewish voice so that it will catch his attention. So that he will go like, huh, what's going on? The same way it caught my attention. Maybe it will catch the attention of Jesus. Maybe she was hoping it would find her more favour in his eyes. Something. Maybe she was trying to butter him up. I don't know, right? We don't know because the text doesn't say. But the more likely possibility is this. It was her confession of faith. It was her confession of faith. It was her way of saying, you know what it means to call someone son of David? To call Jesus son of David is to say that you are everything we have been waiting for. We have been waiting, we have been hoping, we have been expecting, we have been longing for so long for something good, the, the, the best manifestation of every good thing we have been waiting for. And you are that son of David. That's what it means to cry out, son of David. And I think if you look at the remaining verses, the text seems to hint that this was her confession of faith. But you know what? It doesn't matter. You want to know what matters? Who is Jesus to you? That's what matters. Can you say, can you conscionably say today, Jesus is your, quote-unquote, son of David, that, that perfect manifestation of everything you long for. You've been longing for companionship and all the best kind of companionship is manifest in Jesus Christ. That's son of David. You've been longing for love and the perfect manifestation of love is, is demonstrated in Jesus Christ. That's son of David. You've been crying out for protection and safety. You need to feel secure in, 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 in this world. And the perfect 
expression of safety, the safest place is in Jesus. That's when you can say, Son of David. Friends, is Jesus your Lord today? Is Jesus your Son of David today? Amen? Amen? Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, He's my Son of David. He's my Son of David. Amen? He's my Son of David. And what we're going to see in the verses coming up is we're going to see this Canaanite woman push past four things. She's going to push past four things. And I'm going to get us all to read this together. And one, two, three, say push past the silence. Ready? One, two, three. Push past the silence. Number two, push past the people. Number three, push past the refusal. And number four, push past the offense. And I believe that throughout this place, some of you, one of you, is going to resonate with at least one of these four things, one of these four barriers that can sometimes stand in the way of you getting to your breakthrough. In fact, right now, I think some of you, and I've, this strong, I've had this strong sense from last week already, that some of you here did not start on the 40-day fast and prayer. And you've been seeing everybody around you talk about their fasting and their praying and you're hearing testimonies and a part of you thinks, I, sh I wish I started on the 40 days of fast and prayer. And maybe I should. And immediately, a, a competing voice comes to your ear and says, No lah, you missed the start already. If you do now, it won't be a real 40 days. No need to do. Next year then do. Friend, if that is you, I've got one word for that voice. Liar! Liar! No, you don't have to wait till next year. We may be on day 26. But you know what? Fasting for 14 days, two weeks, is better than not fasting at all. You can do the whole 40 days next year, but you can do 14 days this year as well. Amen? So if there's anyone here, you've been thinking, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Uh, yeah, if I start, it's not the real thing. Liar. That voice is lying to you. Get on it. Get on it. Push past that voice and start fasting and praying. You can start with lunch after this. You can, make, you, can, you can have lunch and start with dinner after this tonight, but start your fasting and praying even if you haven't started. Amen? Amen? But let's start with the first push past. This woman has to push past the silence. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon, but he did not answer her a word. Does this sound familiar to some of us? That you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and you wait for an answer? Nothing. Nothing. And there was once when you would pray and you would hear God speak and you long for those days again. You're thinking, God, what's wrong? How come I can't feel you? How come I can't sense your presence? How come I'm not hearing a word from you? I'm praying, I'm praying. And everything just feels so dry. Everything just feels so silent. It's like I've hit a wall of silence. Where are you, Lord? 
And so you and so you decide, I'm going to go for a worship service. And then you come in on Sunday and everyone is worshipping and you can hear everything is checking all the right boxes. And everyone around you is deep in worship. Nothing. And you're thinking, God, why? I can't even worship. I, I'm lifting my hands up, but it feels so fake. I just can't worship. Why? Why is there this silence? Why can't I hear from you? I'm not experiencing you, Jesus. And then you think, maybe, maybe I'll go and read my Bible. And then you go home and you read your Bible. And it used to be that when you read your Bible, when you're crying out to God, God would speak and words would jump out at you and grip you and, and arrest your eyes. And then today, you look at it, dry as dust. Nothing. It's as if all your prayers and all your best efforts are going up to the ceiling and it's bouncing back down on you. You hit a wall of silence. You know, friends, about four years ago, we had a guest speaker in our church. He was here on one of the Sunday mornings. His name was Pastor Peter Scazzaro. And, and, and I really loved what he shared with us that morning. He shared with us a sermon entitled, Journey Through the Wall. And, and so if you go on YouTube, uh, you, can, you can run a search for Journey Through the Wall. You can throw in SIBKL. You'll get this sermon. And I really want to encourage you to listen to this if you are going through a season of silence. If you have hit a wall of silence and you're just pressing on, but nothing is coming through. I, 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 I can't replicate his sermon. Um, then we'll have two sermons. But, but I want to show you one little element from what he shared. And he shared this little thing about the stages of how you develop in maturity as you come into faith. And the stage one is that you come into a life-changing awareness of God. You discover God. He's good. And everything is great. You, you discover Him. You, you're, you're in love with Him. And everything is fresh and new and exciting. Stage one. Stage two is when you, when you start reading your Bible for yourself and you're learning and you're being discipled by the Word and your cell leader comes and does new life with you and somebody comes around you and gives you a book and you are learning, you are, you are richly growing. Stage two. And stage three is even better. While you are learning, while you are growing, while God is speaking to you, you start getting yourself involved in the body. So you join a cell and you get really active in it. You become a core leader and you join a ministry and you're serving and you're active and you're, and you're contributing and, 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 and all at the same time, still reading, still praying, still hearing from God. And everything is going so well for you until you hit the wall. That wall of silence, you run into it and one day you realize, God, how come when I pray, I don't hear? How come when I pray, I don't hear your voice? How come I'm not feeling you anymore? And on that morning, Pastor Pete shared with us that you have to push past that wall. You have to journey through that wall of silence before you can make that a, a journey inward to understand what, how God has created you and all the deep things inside you before you can re-journey back outwards. And then stages four and five is a bit like two and three, except that now the foundations are so much deeper and so much richer. And I tell you something, I learned, I've learned something about this wall of silence. I've learned something. It was about maybe around that time, you know, about four or five years ago. And I was, I was on a trip uh, to Sabah, on a ministry trip. And it was an early morning. I got into a taxi and I was being driven to KLIA 2. 
right? And, and there we were, inching towards KLI to hit a standstill jam. Wow. Tension, okay, catching a flight and standstill jam. It was drizzling by that time, but earlier that morning, it had been raining very heavily. So I was thinking, are you pokok tumbang, sure one, fallen tree, you know. And then, true enough, as we inched our way to the point of the traffic jam, I saw pokok tumbang, right? A tree had fallen. And, but the strange thing is, when I saw that tree and as we were rounding uh, 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 past the tree, I saw that the tree's roots were really very short. Now, I don't know if maybe there were more roots underneath, you know, but, but from what I could see, the roots were ending at the fine tips and they were really very short. And I thought it was very strange for a tree that was that big. And I ob- made that observation casually to my taxi driver. I said to him, Oi, see the roots so short? And I said it in BM, you know, see the roots so short, no wonder it fell. And you know what he said? He said, yeah, of course the roots are very short. Here, we get a lot of rainfall. That's why the ground is always moist. And then it hit me. It hit me suddenly that I realized that if the ground is always moist, then the roots don't have to work hard to go deep. The roots always have moisture on the surface, on the top soil, so that it is drinking, if I can say, easy water. Right? Easy water, spoon-fed water, it's always there. Saja, saja can drink. And can I share this with you? Stage one, stage two, stage three of your Christian life can be a bit like that. Have you ever noticed back in the day, think about the first year in which you became a Christian. You pray, you pray for, for kapak also, you pray for anything also, it's like incredible one, you know. And then, and then suddenly, the topsoil seems like it dries out on you, right? And that's when you hit the wall, right? The topsoil dries up. And then, what do you have to do to find water? You have to push your roots deeper. And then you, and then you push your roots to the moisture in the midsoil. And after a while, the midsoil also dries up. Oh gosh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you making it so hard for me to hear you? Why are you making it so hard for me to read the Bible and experience you? And you push your roots deeper and deeper and deeper. And every time He dries up one layer of soil, your roots go deeper and deeper until you touch water whose source is not from the top down. The source is from the source. And you know what? When you touch that water, when you touch that water, that water is not going to dry up anymore. And you know what? You will suddenly realize, wait a minute, I have foundations. My roots go all the way deep. I'm actually gripping the ground really, really hard. So friends, If there is one thing I've learned about seasons of silence, do not despise your season of silence. God is out of His grace over you, is giving you and journeying with you into slamming against that wall so that when you hit that wall, you realize that you cannot depend on easy water. It's just simple, spoon-fed faith anymore. You have to push your foundations deep, 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 deep. You have to push past all that dry soil before you can be strong again. Amen? 
Don't despise a season of silence. God is gracious over you when He hits that wall on you. Amen? I know it's kind of strange, right? When God is gracious because He brings you into silence, He is. You know why? Because if He never brings you into that season of silence, you'll fall. When the winds when the winds hit, when the rains fall, flood rises, bam, 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 you fall. The winds will push past you. You will fall. Amen? Amen? So don't despise that season of silence. You have to push past the silence. And that's what this woman did. That's what this Canaanite woman did. She pushed past the silence. But the next thing she encountered was the people. By the way, I think this sermon is a little bit like playing those old, old school uh, video arcade beat-em-up games, you know, where you start with the, you fight the matai, right? The ding, 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 and then very easy to beat the first one, right? And then, yeah, you win. And then you go to the next level and you fight the tougher guy, right? The next one, level one, push past the silence. Level two, Oh, now you got to push past the people. And when I say push past the people, I don't just mean push past any people. I mean push past church people. Why you laugh? Why you laugh? Actually, I don't just mean push past church people. You have to push past church people who let you down because you expected better from them. That's who you have to push past. Who are these people? Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, send her away, for she is crying out after us. Send her away. Like literally, like, can you get this girl to leave us? Now, to be perfectly fair to the disciples... If you read the context, it seems like what the disciples are saying is, Jesus, can you grant her her breakthrough? Then she will go away and stop bugging us, right? I think that's what the disciples were saying. But you know what? Not good enough, lah, huh? SIBKL. I think SIBKL has better connect culture than this, right? I like, right? Do we have better connect culture than this? Just send her away. Send her. Wait, these guys are uh, by now. They've been sent out to, with the 72 to pray, right? By now, they've been sent out two by two. They've gone into cities. They've ministered to people. They have done a lot of ministry. They've cast out demons. They've healed the sick. They've, 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 they've been doing all this kind of ministry work already. And then suddenly here, what la, these fellas, send her away. At least la, ask the poor woman, can I pray for you, right? SRBKL, would you ask, can I pray for you? Walao, tialat or Isaac, connect culture, one, one visitor, one life, not happening, man. SRBKL, would you ask, at least ask this woman, sister, can I pray for you? Praise God for level 5, yo! Praise God for level 5. Level 6, would you do that? You know, yeah, yeah. You know what level 6 would do? Level 6 would straight away go, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's why they didn't answer yes, right? Yeah. Paling <laughs> kurang is to offer some help, right? The least you can do is, hey, what's wrong with you? Can I pray for you? Something, do something. Don't go to Jesus and say, hey, hey can you do this job and get her out of our, our face, right? You know, sometimes it's almost as if when you walk into church, you want to meet Jesus. Everybody came in here to encounter Jesus. 
But sometimes, trying to encounter Jesus in church, it's like, man, you have to push past so many annoying Christians. Huh? It's like, after a while, you feel like, yeah, not worth it. Lah. Trying to meet this Jesus is not worth it. It's so difficult. I have to work past all of these Christian people with their Christianese, and they talk so nice, but they do sometimes not so nice. And so malas, lah. leche, lah. I want to deal with church. Why you all like that? Sure not. It does, is this true of SIBKL? You know what? You know what, friends? It almost seems as if this is not... Hey, by the way, if you think it may be a church culture of today, don't, don't, don't be encouraged. It's not just our church culture. It's been church culture ever since first century AD. Okay? Because if you, look, if you look at through the Gospels, right, the Gospel narratives, it's almost as if the disciples of Jesus appointed themselves to be this, this, this uh, security team, this team of bouncers that surround Jesus um, by their own volition, one, uh, Sandiri appoint one, uh, and then they surround Jesus so that every time somebody wants to come, like a woman who's been sick for like how many, God knows how many years, come try to touch Jesus, they go, they try to bounce her away. Oh, hey, don't catch out the master. Don't catch out the master, you know? And then suddenly, all these little children come towards Jesus, you know, and they want to they wanna sit on his lap, and they're like, hey, 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 no, no, no. But little boy came up here, you know, uh, uh, um, like, like on that day, right? It's a like little boy, not come out for worship, okay? Come on, just meet Jesus, okay? And they're like, oi, 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 don't, 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 master, don't catch out, master, don't catch out, master. And then suddenly, even if they get through the door, right, and Jesus is having dinner, and this woman comes to his feet and cries, and this extravagant display of love and worship, and, and these disciples are like, hey, yeah, I should have caught her at the door, I would have bounced her out of this place. Why, why Christian people like that one, huh? <laughs> right? Why, huh? You know? But you know what? You know what I realized? Yeah, one, number one, I realized it's not just our problem. I realized that it's, the prob- it's, a, it's a problem of, of, of the early church as well. You know? It's a problem of the early church as well. And you know what? If I really must be honest, every once in a while, we get some people who come to church and they are genuinely bad-hearted. Like they come in to cheat people, they come in to catch out our girls, they come in to, to swindle, they come in to take advantage of, of those who are weak. And I had one guy come into one of my cells once, I was there, and he brought a snake and he, halfway through the cell, he let out his snake and the snake crawled onto one of our girls, right? Like you, every once in a while, you get someone like that. But guess what? The people in the Buddhist temple also get people like that. The people in the masjid also get people like that. You know, people in NGO also get people like that. So guess what? That is not a church of Jesus problem. It is a human being problem. It is a human being problem. Because when I come into church and I see all your faces, actually, you know what? I believe and I know this from personal experience being with all of you. Church people are good people, one. Just people are good people, one. right not, right not, right not. We actually love each other, one. We actually want to do our best to, 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 to show love, to show concern, to show care. Sometimes we are unaware. Sometimes we're unaware that the thing we say will be heard wrongly. Sometimes we're unaware that the way I phrase this um, or the way I ask this question can be heard as, wow, I'm so judgy, you know. We are unaware. 
Have you guys ever had that? You, you wanted to say something, it sounds so correct in your head, but the moment it comes out from your mouth, you go like, why did I say that? You know? You had that before? You had that before? Yala, that's why you're in church. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. And actually, church people actually love each other one. I realize that we love each other and we were concerned for each other. We want to show love, but sometimes we can be quite clumsy at it. We don't really know. Maybe because our parents didn't really model it to us. Maybe because nobody ever gave us that kind of love. So we want to show concern to a younger person or to an older person. And then the way we go about doing it might be a bit awkward, might be a bit clumsy. And our, and our attempts to build a bridge ends up being attempts to start a fire, you know. And then, and then we feel like, ah, oh, yeah, not worth it, lah, you know. Maybe I shouldn't try trying to reach out to young people anymore or something like that. But no, push past, push past, push past. Amen? Amen? So, I, so, so I've learned that actually church is good. Church is good. But people, people all come with pain, right? You put together, I mean like we've got like 1,300 in this room right now. Every single one of you came with a burden of pain on your shoulders. We all think that, oh, I'm the one who's suffering pain. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm going through A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? But actually, the person I'm talking to is also going through pain. Everybody here is shouldering a load, and that load is heavy. Banan, every single one of you. So you put people who are loving and caring, but unaware, but awkward and clumsy, and all going through some kind of pain in their lives, Put them all together into one room, okay, one big room like this, and tell them, do your best to follow Jesus and love each other. And you got the church, huh? And you got the church, huh? All imperfect people trying to love God and love each other, all doing it slightly imperfectly, in some cases quite imperfectly, you know, and then we are asked by Jesus, love one another, love one another. In this way, the whole world sees you loving one another, they will know you are my disciples when they see you love one another. Push past the people. You have to push past the people. This woman, this Canaanite woman had to push past this this. this, this this group of disciples who seem to be bouncing her off, right? Like, how offensive is it to hear him say like, like yeah, yeah, just send her away, you know? Like, yeah, I can hear one, you know? Like, hello, right? Push past, push past. If you came from another church and you are nursing a wound from the people from your old church, and you came into SIB, and you, there's a hope in your heart that finally I have found a, a family of people who are going to finally not offend me and not be, be judgy with me. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry. I can't do that. One day I will offend someone, and all of you will admit, one day we're going to offend you, you know. Um, but you know what? In the same way that God says don't despise the season of silence because He's growing deeper roots, He is saying to you, don't despise the season of being rubbed up against the other Christians because He is teaching you how to love one another. And if you don't ever get rubbed up and have a bit of conflict and have a bit of sparks, and sometimes the sparks become flames, if you never have that, you will never learn what it means to truly love one another. You will just be happy-go-lucky. Everybody is your surfacial friend. That is not the call of Jesus over the church. Amen? Amen? Are we good here, SIBKL? Push past the silence. Push past the people. 
Ding, ding, ding. Next round. Level three. Push past the refusal. What's going on here? What's going on here looks like this. Oh, Jesus, somebody save my, help me. My daughter is oppressed by a demon. And then the disciples say, Jesus, can you send her away? And what does she say? Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I wasn't sent to her. Wow. Wow. Question, S-I-B-K-L, is that a no? Is that a no? Is Jesus saying, no, I will not heal you. I will not heal your daughter. Is this a no? You're not sure, right? Because it sounds almost like a no. Okay? But if you know your Bible, you know this is not a no. Okay? I'm not a no, right? It's not a no, right? You know why? Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. So Jesus isn't playing mind games with this woman. So this is not a no. This is exactly what it is. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He leaves it like that. It sounds like a refusal. In almost every sense of the word, it is a refusal. Why? Why? Why would Jesus say this? Parents, have you ever given your children a little test? Have you ever tested your children on something? If you test your child over something, let me ask you a question. Are you the kind of parent, you throw them a test, a big heavy test, and it's the kind of test where you say, if you live, you live out, good for you. If you die, are you die lah? Would a, loving, would a loving father or a loving mother do that? No, right? right? Same thing with God. You know when God gives you a test, He doesn't throw a test at you. Now, now, I don't know if there are gods outside of the church, okay, who will throw a test at you and say, if you live, you live. You die, you die. I don't know. I'm just testing you. I'm just testing you. Macham, I'm playing with you like that. Our God does not test us like that. When our God tests us, He tests us, He throws us a test at a level that He knows if we hung on to Him and applied ourselves to the best, we had the actual potential and capacity to pass that test. And He doesn't leave us alone. He comes up right up next to us and He coaches us every step of the way. He's there. Sometimes we don't feel Him. Sometimes there are difficult people around us, but He's always there and He's saying, next step, why don't you like this? Next step, like that. Be wary. Look out for this. And He's coaching us. He's encouraging us. He's spurring us on. And when we wobble, He holds back. He watches. If we fall, He picks us up. And He's always, always helping us win. Win, win in our tests. That's our God. That's, our, that's why I love my God so much, man. I love Jesus so much because, because He's always there for me. Even when I feel alone, He's there for me. And He's using that aloneness to grow, grow, grow me. And so I believe that's what's happening here. When Jesus refuses and He says to this woman, within earshot, I was only sent to the lost children of Israel, He's testing her. It's not a wicked testing. It is a good testing because He's waiting for her to have some fight. How much do you want your breakthrough? SIBKL, we're in 40 days. How much do you want your breakthrough? How much do you want? No, I'm serious. Serious question. How much do you want your breakthrough? I was just in the YSL on Wednesday night and I was asking them because we went around the, the, the room and we were asking each other to share what is the one thing we are praying about. 
And then the Lord just dropped this question in my heart. Fergus, how much do you want your breakthrough? And so I was asking the cell that night, and I'm asking all 1,003 of you right now the same question. What if, what if, now you, you have your breakthrough in mind? Everybody think of that one thing you're seeking God for breakthrough in. For this woman, it was the deliverance of her daughter from demonic oppression. For you, it will be something else. You got that in your mind? What if God came to you and said, you've been praying five minutes every day. Yeah, God, I've been praying five minutes every day and I'm seeking a breakthrough. And God said, no man, five minutes every day won't do because I've heard of the breakthrough you're asking for. Your breakthrough, the one you're asking for is like this. You want to know what's the price to get breakthrough for what you're asking for? On your face, four hours every day. Weekends, eight hours. What will you do? What will you do? Slink away? Shrink back? Slink away? And go back to your pain? Go back to the thing you're seeking breakthrough from and just make a covenant with your pain? You want to know what's a covenant with your pain? Your covenant with your pain is like this. Oh, thing that is destroying me. I covenant with you lah. I try not to kick you out anymore, okay? You promise not to hurt me so bad next time. Can or not? Okay? And then you shake hands with your pain. And you live with it lah for the rest of your life. Who wants that? How many of you think that's your destiny? No, right? So maybe if God came to you and said, the price for the breakthrough you're asking for, on your face, four hours every day. Weekends, eight hours. And God is looking for some fight in you. So that some fight, some... You know what's the word? I spent a long time thinking about. Actually, fight is very like... <clears throat> you know, it's like, maybe the word is not fight. Maybe it's hunger. But then hunger is like... Uh, you know, maybe it's thirst. Maybe it's desire. Maybe it's passion. Maybe it's something. I realise what the word is. It's a very old-fashioned word. God is looking for gumption. How many of you, how many of you know this old-fashioned word, gumption? Gumption means that you have, some, you have some fighting spirit inside you. You want it, you really want it, you will, you, you will do what Jacob did in, in Genesis where he's wrestling with God and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. That's gumption. And Jesus is looking for some gumption. During 40 days, he is saying to you, what? I told you four hours on your face and you immediately you shrunk back. Serious. Is that how much gumption you have in you? No, that won't do. If, that's, if you shrink back, you will never see breakthrough. Because your window for breakthrough is now. It's now. And maybe, just maybe, if we responded differently, if Jesus says, on your face, four hours every day, weekends, eight hours, and you have some gumption in you. You want that breakthrough real bad. You might say back to Jesus, four hours, I'll get on my face right now. I'll do one hour for you on my face. And after one hour is done, I will add one more minute. And after that one more minute is done, I'll add nine more minutes. And after that nine more minutes is done, I'll add two more minutes. And I'll keep adding one more minute, small step, langkah, dummy, langkah, bit by bit, until you say, done, get up. 
but I will just take it. I'll, I'll give you the first hour. Confirm I can give. But I don't know four hours, but after that, I'll give you one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute, one minute. And how do you know? After one hour, 25 minutes, 58 seconds, God pops up and you get your breakthrough. And you didn't have to do four hours. You didn't have to do eight hours on the weekends. How do you know? None of us knows. None of us knows. But do you have the gumption to start? Do you have the heart to start? Do you have the fight to start? Because that's what Jesus is looking for in you. When He calls out, when He throws you a huge task, He wants to see you have the heart to start. And I believe that's what's happening to this woman. And you know what's the most amazing thing about this? When he throws this woman this almost like a challenge, right? Like, no, nope, I didn't come for the lost children of Israel. Okay, I don't think he said it in that tone, you know. Um, I didn't come for the lost children of Israel. And she went, and the next thing she did, she fell on her knees. She broke one, you know. She just go and fell on her knees in front of Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, help me. You know who needed to see that fight? SIBKL, do you know who needed to see that fight? It wasn't Jesus. Jesus doesn't need to see that gumption. He knows if you have it or not. You know who needs to see it? You need to see it. You need to see if you actually have... Because you know what? Until God pushes you to the limit, you don't know what you're made of. None of us knows what we're made of. It's potential. You don't know how much potential you have. It's a capacity thing. You don't actually know how much capacity you have until you are pushed to fill up everything. Then you know what you're made of. SIBKL, what are we made of? Are you made of that fight? You won't know. If everything is easygoing, you will never, ever know. But Jesus threw that at her and said, Hey, sister, I didn't come for the lordship of Israel. And she had that fight. She went, she went on her knees. And you know what's so amazing? When she went on her knees, she saw what she is made of. She realized, wow, I have faith. Wow, I didn't even realize I would do this, but I've done this. Amazing, amazing. I didn't know I was like this. And that's when Jesus, not yet, huh? heaven bless her, huh? push past, push past the refusal. That's when Jesus took her to the next level. The final level. The boss mode, push past the offense. Push past the offense. What is push past the offense? Jesus says this, Sister, it's not right to take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs. Wow, serious. Sorry, what's that? He did, 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 did Jesus just call this woman a dog? What's that? What? Whoa! Can you check that translation? I think NIV doesn't say dog, you know? Um, <laughs> some, some, can I, what's going on here? Why is Jesus calling her a dog? You want to know why Jesus says this? I'll help you understand. All the Jews called Canaanite people dogs. It was a racial slur. Now, this weekend is Merdeka weekend, and we are 62 years old. Chinese people still call the other races all kinds of racial slurs. And all the other races, together with the Chinese, all continue to call each other all kinds of racial slurs, including white people, including black people. Everybody gets a racial slur. And we're 62 years old now. We should be past this. We should be past this. 
and all the Jewish people called Canaanites dogs. I know there are some commentaries that will soften this a little bit and say, oh, if you look at the Greek word, it actually says something else. It's not the word for dog that you usually use for a street dog. It actually means a cute little puppy. <laughs> please not soften Jesus. Uh, please, uh, you know. I believe what's happening here, I mean, the Greek word is the real Greek word. You know, it, it, it does mean a more domesticated dog. But I believe what's happening here is this. Jesus is compressing all the racial slurring this woman has heard all her life by Jewish people and he's compressed it into one sentence. And he's saying it to her. And it is part of a continuation of the same test. It is not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. What will you do if you heard that? By the way, you and I might take offence at this. Huh? You and I might feel offended on her behalf. I'll tell you why you don't have to feel offended on her behalf. She was not offended. She did not take the bait. She pushed past the offence, the offensiveness of being called a dog. Because she knows, maybe she knows and she trusts that Jesus is not saying it to her. Jesus is saying, haven't you heard Jewish people call you this? I'm a Jewish man. I'm asking you right now, how do you feel if I say to you, it's not right to take the bread and give it to the dogs? You know what she said? Such faith, man. You know what she said? She said, even if the dogs take the crumbs of the children's bread, that would be enough. She wasn't even asking for all of the bread. She's just saying, if I get the crumbs, fine. You want to say the Jewish people are the children? Fine. You want to call me a dog? Fine. If I sit under my master, Jesus is still her master, huh? if I sit under my master's table and even if the residue, the spillover of the blessings going to Israel falls down, if I take it, I will have life forevermore. That's what she's trying to say. And Jesus looked at that and said, what great faith. What great faith. Instantly, he healed her daughter. Amen. Don't take the bait. I know sometimes Jesus can sound a bit offensive. Just last week, Pastor Chi was preaching here and he shared about how the feeding of the 5,000 and after that, everybody was chasing after Jesus for more bread and Jesus said, what? I am the bread of life, right? I'm the bread of life and if, if, if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. Immediately, everybody took offence. Wow, so offended. How can he say something like this? And then they shrink back slunk away, right? Just like the rich young ruler. Wah, must give away everything. Uh. What kind of God are you? Shrink back, slunk away, right? But maybe what he wants for those people to ask is this, Lord, how can we eat your flesh? Like Nicodemus, right? How can a man be born again? How can we eat your flesh? How can we drink your blood? And maybe if they had bothered to push past the offensiveness of the first comment, Jesus would have said, take this bread, take this cup. Do this in remembrance of me. Breakthrough immediately. Don't take offence. Don't take offence. Because Jesus asked his disciples this, do you take offence at this? Do you want to go away as well? And it was Peter who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So good, right? That's a man with faith. That's a man who didn't take offence. Because he knows outside of Jesus, there is no hope. But I want to show you a picture of what it looks like to take offence. Now, I know maybe we've all taken offence. I want to show you a picture of what it looks like to take offence. It is the final of the World Cup in 2006. 
Italy and France are drawn at 1-1 and they've gone into extra time. 18 minutes into extra time with 12 minutes before a penalty shootout. The Italian defender, Marco Materazzi, goes up to the French captain, Zinedine Zidane, and casts a slur on the women in his families. I think today we pretty much can guess from the lip reading it was a slur on Zidane's sister. And Zidane took offence. 12 minutes to go, and he was one of those guys sure to take one of the penalties in the shootout. 12 minutes to go, he took offence. He heard Matarazzi, he turned around, he walked back to Matarazzi, hit-butted him square in the chest, straight red card. His last match of a glittering career. Last act in the last match of a glittering career. Should have walked away with the World Cup. Push past the offence. Don't take it. Stupid people might say things. Don't take it. Good people who are awkward might say things. Bad people might say things. Situations that have, that, that, that have no personality behind them might say things. Even a good God might say things. Don't take the bait. Push past, push past, push past. And in so doing, you can get closer to your breakthrough. Amen? So today's sermon is really about this. Ask, seek, knock. Because Jesus says, whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, will find. Whoever knocks, the door will be open to him. But you know what? The Greek expression and the tense does not just behave as it does in English. Like you ask once, you will receive. You seek once, you will find. You knock once, the door will be open. The Greek tense is really saying, ask and keep asking and keep asking because it's present, but it's also present and continuous. Ask and keep asking, 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 ask, 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 and then you receive. Like the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 who badgered and badgered and badgered and badgered the unjust judge until he said, fine, have your justice, go, buzz away, right? Ask and keep asking and you will receive. Seek, but don't just seek once. Seek, 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 keep seeking, keep seeking, keep seeking, keep seeking, keep seeking, and you will find. And knock, but don't just knock once. Knock, 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 and keep knocking. Knock, and keep knocking. Knock, and keep knocking, and keep knocking, and keep knocking. And go on, 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 and go on. And to him, the door shall be opened. 